Hey, welcome to the Africa Podcast. My name is Mikey Menna. Today we have another episode of Outline, our series all about process. We have our special guest, filmmaker Maryam Al-Dabhani on the series, and we're talking about her film that is all about beekeeping in Yemen. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome everyone to this episode of Outline, one of my favorite series that we put out. Outline is all about process. We take a single project and we dive into the process behind making that project happen. Our special guest is Maryam Al-Dabhani, who is a Yemeni Russian award-winning journalist, filmmaker, curator, and educator based in the MENA region. She first pursued her passion for media during the 2011 Arab uprisings and co-founded her first media production. She is a two-time TEDx speaker and one of the first directors to utilize virtual reality to highlight stories from Yemen. Mariam holds a bachelor's degree in journalism and strategic communications from Northwestern University in 2019 and a postgraduate diploma in museum and gallery practice from the University College London in 2020. Mariam, welcome, welcome, welcome to this uh, conversation. Thank you, Mikey, for the kind introduction and for having me. I'm so happy to take part with this beautiful series with Africa. No, the pleasure is ours. So let's talk a little bit about your background. There's a lot of nouns in that uh, in that bio, journalist, filmmaker, curator, educator, but we're here to talk about your filmmaking, but your fil- filmmaking is sort of journalistic in nature. When did you first get attracted to the medium of film and to thinking about it as a tool for telling stories with sort of a journalistic bent? Yeah, Mikey, since we're talking about process here, let me take you on a journey with me. Um, I didn't really start with media, unfortunately, just because in Yemen, we don't have the possibility like Lebanon, like Egypt, like maybe Tunisia of of pursuing media as it is, you know, as an education, as something with core, more than just a, a face in front of TV, you know, reading something that is already prepared for. So to please my dad, I went for a medical field. So I was, I was studying clinical pharmacy. I almost graduated and then the war hit. And with that, I had to leave. And, and for some destiny, Doha was my destination. And coming here, I decided to restart. Okay, this is a new opportunity. There are these amazing um, international universities based here at my fingertips with my Yemeni passport. That at the time with Donald Trump, I couldn't really you know, travel and go to many places, um, not only US, but other places as well. Restrictions for being Middle Eastern, for being Yemeni, etc. <laughs> so I don't know, it's a second chance in maybe life and second yeah. chance in education and passion. And I signed up for Northwestern University and I decided to go for journalism because I will have more substance there. But media work started before all of this, before pharmacy, before before the, the studies from before. And it was self-learned in a way um, back in 2011. And then when I enrolled in Northwestern, I joined the Doha Film Institute, also based here in Qatar. Yeah. And from there, kind of reconnected with filmmaking. In a way, I try to find balance between journalism and film. It's not journalism nor purely cinema. It's always like trying to merge those worlds. I know many disagree with that. It should be like like purist, either this or that. But um, 
I, I believe in bridging and and kind of changing what's what's the mainstream. Yeah, I'm going to read one uh, sentence from your bio that I didn't read. It says, through her work, Medium attempts to shed light on the dangers of stereotyping the region in mainstream media and provides a counter viewpoint to showcase the equality and humanity. How often do you feel like are you combating your own stereotypes when you start a project? Uh, a lot. Because my my focus is mainly on, on Yemen and then on the region, um, I try to kind of counter narrate what, what is there about us, about our homes, about our culture, about who we are. I know and I understand stereotypes help people understand, you know, other cultures and maybe kind of guide. But if you solely depend on that, then you just destroy cultures, destroy the humanity of other, other nations. And that's what's happening to us as a whole. Like the MENA or the Arab world, it's, it's like one country. It's like we're all the same. We all eat the same, all dress the same, all speak the same. And if, there is, if anyone dares to say that they're different or show that they're different, then there is the retaliation. Like, how come you're all the same? You have wars, disagreements, all the issues that you have, and that's it. Um, no room for us to be more and to assimilate as, you know, we're just humans at the end of the day, of course, we'll be different. Okay, let's get into what we're talking about today. When we invited you on the series, I was really, really excited about focusing on a specific, uh, the process behind making a specific film that you've produced and sort of conceptualized, produced, directed. Tell us, for those who can't see the screen, tell us what this film is, the name and the idea behind it. Yeah, I don't know if I shared this before with you, Mikey, but this is a debut exclusive to Afikra. Um, this is <laughs> this work has recently been fully completed, didn't premiere anywhere yet. So we're, we're waiting to hear good news from one of the festivals we applied to and to launch it from there. But yeah, I'm so honored to have it here. And uh, yeah, the title is Musalim, and Musalim is an Arabic word that means um, the one who lives in peace. And we, the team and I, we went about beekeeping as a vehicle to understand what is happening in Yemen. The, the nine minutes were filmed in three different cities. It was extremely difficult. The process took around two years to film and complete with all the delays due to the situation on the ground in Yemen, due to rain and like weather issues, due to COVID, all of that piled up. But these precious nine minutes like came through. And using 360 as a medium, it's a VR experience. It's not interactive, it's linear. So you just put the goggles and you live through the eyes and walk in, in the shoes of these two beekeepers, one in the capital, um, the occupied capital Sana'a and one in Hadramaut. The, the Hadramaut is one of the most famous places for the Yemeni honey. If you don't know about Yemeni honey, please Google it. It's incredibly beneficial and amazing and there is nothing like it in the world. Um, so we're hoping to humanize what is happening on the ground and humanize is such a big word that I, I, I dislike to use, but unfortunately we have to just to bring proximities that, okay, hello, we're, we're humans. It's just a different situation that is difficult, but this, this does not mean that we're boxed within these doomed boxes forever. War goes in, in, and history repeats itself. It's just this time is unfortunate for us, but we're going to get out of this. We're going to get better. Hopefully. I, I love your comment about the word humanize. You know, I, I, it's funny because when you say, okay, 
Let's continue. I am really, really excited. So let's talk about what were you doing before you started this? So this is the before section of the interview. I'll, I'll link it up to the, the bits we talked about in the introduction. So I kind of um, took a workshop with DFI, the Doha Film Institute in 2018. And that was my journey in documentary filmmaking. That was my first short film that ended up being very personal, dealing with loss of home, loss of oneself, loss of a child, unborn child, trying to restart in a new place. And many of you might think if it's like approximately the same continent they speak arabic it's a new country but it's like similar it's really hard to start anywhere new far away from home far away from your support knowing that that home is in ruins also does not help um you're constantly dragged by this guilt yes you might have better electricity water internet but still your heart is, is shattered so that was kind of my calling i felt this this is the way to heal this is the way to process these memories and this is the way to try to give back. And since 2018, um, I kind of thought that this is what I can do. So whenever I have free time, if I can invest my own savings, I go back home to film. And uh, since then, it's been a bunch of different experimental things, um, mm -hmm. all related to storytelling from Yemen. So what was the first version of the name for this project? Because I love thinking about names. I feel like they, they really and quite literally define an idea. So when this first idea came to you, what was the first version of the name? I, I didn't have a name for the longest time. I almost gave up. It was so hard. There were like suggested names by the team. One of them was, this is Yemen. And I understand where would this come from and how would they think that this, okay, it's, a, it's a, in a way a briefing of what's happening on the ground, right? Through the eyes of the beekeepers. Mm -hmm. But it felt generic, general. And then, including the name honey or bees in the title it's like very on the nose so I, I don't know how but the epiphany came of how the bees are working together and they're peaceful unless you bug them they will not hurt you yeah. and similarly Yemen and Yemenis were peaceful people if you don't hurt someone no one will hurt you back it does not mean that it's okay to hurt back but the logic is if things go normally they will go normally and it was this metaphor between bees and people working together, keeping busy, creating this amazing honey, having this beautiful landscape and, and land. It just came together. And having the name in Arabic was so more beautiful. So then we ended up with the explanation, Musalim, and then the English version, Musalim, the one who lives in peace. Amazing which I embarrassingly, embarrassingly don't have in the slides here. So I'm glad that you're saying it out loud. <laughs> but yeah. thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. What's the moment that you decided, you actually decided to yourself, I'm doing a 360 project on beekeeping? So um, this project came to me with the idea ready. Um, the people, it's, it's in collaboration with two UN entities, actually. One is the UN Department of Peacebuilding in New York, and the other one is working with the UN Special Envoy for Yemen based in Amman, Jordan. And they had in mind already the medium, which is 360, and that it's going to be beekeeping. And um, for some reason, the project just dragged and, and they needed someone Yemeni, someone knows the place rather than a director from abroad who didn't understand what is happening, how to work with people inside, etc. And it ended up 
being me recommended to them because not many people work in 360. I believe I'm one of the first and maybe few that work in this. Um, and I happened to train a few young filmmakers slash journalists back in 2019 on using this technology. So I know people I can even work remotely with, you know, COVID disrupted so many things and encouraged remote work. This film is almost fully done remote and everyone who collaborated and worked on it is in a different country. Um, Wait a second. Hold on. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to get to this during the during part, but I'm so curious. So you physically never held a camera in Yemen for on this project? On this project, no. Ama amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Wow. Okay, let's keep on going. We already sort of talked about this, but um, what are some of the things that created friction that slowed you down before you, before you got started? There was the hard part of how do you communicate with um, people on the ground while being away. Although I go frequently, I understand the situation, how hectic it was to film in one of the cities it was more difficult than the other two. Um, but also how to explain the style of filmmaking remotely with, with like people who are used to certain way of doing things. And that's it. They, they don't know how to shift into different style. Like, um, Filming in 360 meaning different angles because you're covering all 360. It's not like you can control, right? And when you go with the mindset of filming in 360 as if it's 2D or regular film, it does not work. It How do you even storyboard for something like that? There you go. You need something that is worth telling in 360 and needs to be exciting and interesting with information happening all around. If not, then you're wasting an opportunity of this tool. Then why are you choosing this tool over the regular filming? What is the answer to that? The answer is if you're using this technology, use it to the fullest. Don't just implement whatever you're used to without thinking how to adapt it and change it to, to, to best utilize this, this experience. But Okay, so let me ask you a question. You remember, remember in the 90s or early 2000s when like 3D animated movies started coming out and oh. every one of them had that scene where the guy yeah. <laughs> the goes more like, whoa, <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> At some point, it started to feel like a gimmick, right? At some point, yeah. you're like, all right, that didn't have to happen. You're, you're using the, it's not your sh you're, you're including that because you can, right? So how do you avoid it from being a gimmick? Each project is different. So for this one, we ended up not using many of the footage that, that the people who really believed it needs to be filmed in a certain way, I, I decided to compromise. I'm like, great. So do go about it as you think it should be filmed, <laughs> but also please provide me with this footage because editing happened um, outside. The editor is actually based in, in Brazil. God bless his soul. He's incredible. But yeah, then, the, then you go that the time difference, um, all of that plays a role. And uh, there is this issue of awful internet connection in Yemen. So to get this footage that is filmed in almost 5K, you need a someone who's traveling, someone who's going there to pick it up. Um, but then you go to try to understand why the people on the ground not wanting to work in a certain way. And then, okay, how about we compromise? Provide me with this and with this. I appreciate the, the extra time that you put. But if you really feel strongly, this will support the film, go ahead. And it's always a case of collaboration. It's not a case of I'm working and you're working for me. It's, it's never like that in storytelling. We're all doing it together. So... 
we're all investing in this. If you believe yeah. strongly in this, then do it. Go ahead, but please also do the other part. All right. So one of my favorite questions to ask in the series is, is it that somebody had to do this project or that you had to do this? Um, in this case, I ended up having to do it, but because I really wanted to, wanted to, if that makes sense. So yeah. there was no one else, but I genuinely, like, I believe I even spent days on without being paid, just working on this because I felt there is a, there is a responsibility. I am Yemeni. This is my home. And if, this ends up being taken to policymakers, people who actually have say in what's happening in Yemen. And the next time they sign a paper that decides the fate of 30 million people, they will think twice because they've assimilated with this place. They've been in this place somehow. And they mm -hmm. kind of even a little bit understand that there is a human, there is a Muhammad or Amatullah I'm invested in, in the next time I make a decision. Yeah. If you were to explain this project um, what you hope people walk away from with this project or what you hoped people would walk away from to like a, a 15 year old. What do you think, what are you trying to get done? First of all, I want to create this emotional attachment. So a 15 year old or a 50 year old watching it to have this connection with the place. Yemen in, 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 in so many ways, it's magical. It has so many places that people don't even know and deprived to go and visit because of what's happening, right? So if you can't physically step foot and visit it, at least you can do it virtually. And if you're doing it virtually, then how will you connect with it? That was the whole idea of these nine minutes to emotionally connect people with the experience, with what they hear, what they see and what they feel. And then the next time they hear anything about Yemen, they'd be more invested in searching it or, or raising their voice and saying, okay, I, I can do maybe something about it or as little as spread awareness or I at least know what is this place. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that's not part of the slides. Can you just tell me like from a nuts and bolts perspective, how do you actually film this thing? What does the film crew look like? Is it just a, a guy with one of those cameras that just walking around, keeping himself out of, or herself out of the frame. And which way is front? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I'm I lost. You. I got you. No, no, I got you. It's a really good question. So I'll yeah. tell you. Um, definitely, you need to leave the camera and run. You cannot be in the frame or like yeah. sit behind one of the walls. And it's usually smaller than this phone. It's like like one, one quarter of it or one third of it. And it has cameras on both sides. This is like the basic one. You have other types that have like eight cameras. That's So it's like two color. GoPros back to back. 100%. And GoPro actually have an addition of 360. So when you position it, you make sure that you don't have the, the stitching part in the area where the action is happening. So either this side or this side. Yeah. The tripod is as thin as possible because then you remove it in editing. So you don't see a tripod as much as, as possible. And then the person filming would be filming from the phone. So you disappear behind one of the walls and it's a Bluetooth thing. You can check the image from the phone, start filming, keep it rolling and then come back. And, and hopefully nobody snitches the camera because this is also an issue when you leave it in the markets and it happened, like we have some footage of that. Some people might just pass by and grab it. Like it's nothing like, you know, it's a camera industry. <laughs> so this is one of the challenges. But uh, yeah, it's it's different filming. You're not attached to the camera all the time. Is it, I mean, but are you telling as a, as a producer or as a director, what is your direction? What does direction actually look like in this type of production? 
Yeah, so when you're remote and there is no internet connection all the time, it's hard to be there within that shot and like yeah. tell the person exactly where to put it. And that's also one of the main challenges, at least that I faced with one production company. Um, but what happened is I create a shot list and based on the understanding from the research, from the interview with the character, the main characters that are the drive in a way, I understand what are the places they go to because I am from there. I know these spaces as well. And I had an assistant director in this city in Sana'a that will go there, take photos, tell me like these are the places we're filming. She will be there. She will be my eyes as well because I trained her. So she will know where to put what, how to follow. And hiccups will happen normally, even if I'm there in person. So reshoots are important. Patience is important. Um, since it's documentary, you try your best not to exhaust the character. They're not acting. It needs to be natural. You need to work with their schedule. Um, so all of these play a role. All of these play, play, play a role in, in like getting the footage together. Could it have been a non-360 film? Absolutely. But for the purpose that this film is made, no. Because you're basically inviting people, the, the target, the main audience for this film are policymakers in the U.S. that never heard, understood where Yemen is, right? So how do you make them walk like in the street of Yemeni? Exactly. Yeah. Experience it and be there. This is the way. With the goggles, you, you are fully immersed. It's as if literally if, if, you're, if you're falling or if the car is moving, you feel the motion sickness. Like you are literally on the ground. So yeah. for the purpose of, of what we want with the main target audience, this is the, the, the tool. Mm. Okay, let's ask uh, four quick questions and then we'll open it up to the questions from the audience. The first one is, what are you reading or watching right now? Okay, I skip reading to watching. What am I watching? To be honest, due to the amount of things that I work on that are very heavy, uh, heavy topic focused, I turn to Netflix for very silly shows. Just No judgment. Comic relief. Yeah, no judgment at all. <laughs> Yeah, so one of my favorites that I'm rewatching is Jane the Virgin. Please don't judge. No, but, no judgment at all. <laughs> it's just somebody else's drama, so I can like not think of, of you know heavy things related to our reality and just yeah. think of someone else's. It's so funny. Um, a few weeks ago, um, Eve Trout Powell, who is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, who writes about slavery in Sudan and Egypt, on this question, she was. <laughs> She's like a very like scholarly, important person. And I was like, so what are you reading or watching right now? And she's like, Judge Mathis, which is like Judge Judy. <laughs> she's like, I never miss an episode. Uh, I love it. So I understand. I no understand. judgment whatsoever. Um, okay. Who would you love to shadow for a day past or present? Oh my God. Um, this is a very corny, cheesy answer, but I'll forever answer it. It's Oprah Winfrey. I've been fascinated with her since I was in sixth grade. And my actual dream job that I imagined was to be a talk show host, but there, there you go, I'm a filmmaker instead. <laughs> hey, is, yeah. uh, life is long. Maybe if, if she's listening or watching, please yeah. reach out, Gail. <laughs> Gail, reach out. Yeah. I mean, Mariam, you were supposed to be a, a pharmacist, right? There you go. So you never know what you never know what you're going to be next. Life is funny. Um, what do people most misunderstand about your work? Um, 
Yeah, I, I feel like until now, people don't understand what documentary is for. And I do everything. Like when I mentor and train, I do fiction, I do documentary, I do experimental and all of that. But kind of my main focus for now, at least, is, is documentary within my personal work. But um, there's like this limited understanding that documentary is this boring something about real life that is not interesting, that doesn't have imagination into it. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to change that. <laughs> cool. And lastly, whose work do you admire or are inspired by? I don't know why, for some reason, it's my mom. Although my mom chose to be a housewife, um, she never worked. She has master's degree in, in engineering, but she just decided to dedicate her time for us, like me and my siblings, because she grew up with her mom working all the time. So I admire that. That's, I don't know, taking that decision and sticking with it because I, sure. I don't think I'll be able to do it. But yeah. yeah. Cool. Mariam, thank you for the answers um, and thank you for your work. Uh, it's uh, really, really generous of you to share your time with us. And I'm excited to see the, see the film very, very soon. If you come to Doha, Mikey, I'll, I'll give you like a private uh, screen. Even with that fancy, even with that fancy thing? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm on my way. Okay, uh, this is going to show up on YouTube in good old 2D tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, we'll be on our podcast tomorrow as well. Share it with any friends who care about Yemen, care about beekeeping, our documentary nerds. Um, Mariam, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Mikey, for having me. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. All right, everybody, we'll see you tomorrow. We have a uh, conversation with Christina Riggs tomorrow about Egyptology and uh, those good old pyramids. All right, everybody. Bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to hafikita.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com slash support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks. Thanks.